0: Well, it's Father's Day, and you all know where it started, don't you? It started in Spokane. Isn't that amazing? In our own state. That was way back in 1919 19 and 10. Did you hear the boys' definition of Father's Day? Just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the present. You read this in the daily devotion this morning on the daily bread. I thought I was going to be able to give it to you fresh, but they beat me to the draw. There are more collect calls on Father's Day than any other day of the year. (laughs) There was a company contest, and the theme was the nicest thing my father did for me. And one kid said he married my mother. Today we're going to learn about Jairus, who was a father, and maybe we will learn some lessons from him that would help us. And we will do it in, uh, in the, the idea of the, of the tests that Jairus takes us through in this experience which he had in Luke chapter 8, 41 to 56. And this same story is given in, other, in two other Gospels, but we will not be turning to those, of course. It's also in Matthew and also in Mark. We can learn lessons from Jairus in, in these verses, his love for his daughter, uh, her subsequent death, and then Jesus raising her to life again, and these lessons, I'm sure, can be a real help to us as we go through these few verses. Well, uh, we received a, um, a gift this morning, the Father's ear, a little level, right? So I guess the scriptures today are going to level with you and uh, with me, and then, of course. In the other packet, the, the packet, there was a, a, a balanced candy bar. So we hope we have the right balance, and we hope that uh, everything goes well. It should be sweet, and, uh, and we will have a, a great time as we look at uh, this man. Let us pray. Father, help us now as we look at this life that can teach us some lessons that we need to learn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 40. Verse 41 of Luke chapter 8. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. The first test that I see as we go through this, uh, these few verses about Jairus, it's the test of problems. Now, Jairus had a problem. That's very obvious because in verse 42 it said his daughter, his only daughter of 12 years of age, was dying. Boy, that's a problem. Um, we all have had problems. You have had problems. I have had problems. You may have one right now. Jairus had a problem. And there are no exception, exceptions for, for problems, or exemptions, I should say, from problems. Uh, in the book of Job it says, man is born to Trouble as the sparks fly upward. That's a good illustration, isn't it? Uh, James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy when you when you fall into various trials. That means a trouble. So we are told how to handle them. Jairus had a problem. His daughter was dying, and that is certainly a problem. And I'll tell you, uh, we in the mission field certainly had plenty of problems. I remember one time I was painting some... Uh, some uh, flannel graph backdrops for Margie to use in Bible stories in her children's work there on the way 100 miles down from the the Brazilian-Peruvian border. And would you know it, I kept the gasoline, only you get to dilute the, uh, you know, and clean out your brushes. I, I put the glass on the back edge of the table, no chairs around, no way that Raleigh could ever drink the gas, but he did. And we were 100 miles from anything. Uh, uh, with the present uh, kind of boat that we had, it would have taken 12 hours if the boat acted properly and did not give out. It'd taken 12 hours to get to the hospital. And Raleigh was lying in my arms, dying, turning blue. What do you do? That's a problem. You see, we all have problems. And gyrus certainly had one. And problems always seem to be worse when they are closest to our lives. You ever notice that? What are you going to do when Raleigh is dying in your arms and turning blue? All you can do is give him to Jesus. There's nothing else to do. Maybe today you are facing a problem, and let's let Jairus' story encourage you, because the second second test in our outline is the test of priorities. Now, as we go back up to verse 41, did you notice the very interesting thing which this man did? It's uh, very wonderful. It says... That there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. That meant that technically, why would he want to come to Jesus? Because the Pharisees and the scribes hated Jesus, and yet this man was in the system, and yet he's going to go to Jesus. What a what a story. What a lesson. And it's really wonderful um, Jairus, as a ruler of the synagogue, what he did, he, he was the one that, uh, uh, that conducted the services. He was the one that chose those to participate in the, the, particular, the particular public prayer to read scriptures. And, and he also was the janitor. Interesting, isn't it? Priorities tell us which direction to go when problems arise. So you see, if you have a problem today, one of the great things to know is where are you going to go when you have a problem? Well, he had the right priority, and he teaches that in, in this verse 41. Uh, do you really know where to go when a problem arises in your life? Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. That's easy when there's a problem, isn't isn't it? It's easy to fall at Jesus' feet when you have a problem and a good place to be. It was probably hard for Jairus to do this, as I've already mentioned, because of, of his... Um, colleagues and uh and we'll call it in the ministry who hated jesus and yet here jai was, was going to that very person well it's really um it's really quite amazing are you taking your problems to him we used to sing a song all to jesus i surrender all to him i freely give that's what you do with your problems of course there is a third test we have in uh, in verse 41, also, it's the test of relationship. You see, it's known that he had a problem. It's also known that he had a priority to go to Jesus. But the fact of the test of relationship, what kind of relationship did he have with Jesus? Why would he go to him? It's a good question. So this is, a, this is different than just having an acquaintance with. You can kind of halfway know somebody. But do you have a relationship, a solid relationship? And this is apparently what this man teaches us here in this wonderful story. He knew the Lord could help him because relationship is so important. Is is Christ, let me ask you, is Christ your Savior? You see, if he is, that's the kind of relationship that we're looking for. Is Christ your Savior? Have you personally invited him into your life to be your Savior? If, uh, If so, then your relationship your relationship to him is secure. And, of course, you all know the marvelous verses that tell us how to have that relationship. Uh, John 3.16, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how you have this relationship with him. And um, maybe if you... Have never had that relationship, dear friend, you would consider entering into that relationship and uh, having Christ as your Savior. Well, that takes us to the next relationship or the next uh, test, and that is the test of communication. We're still in verse 41. You know, there's notice how God packs a lot into one verse. Uh, maybe He's not long winded, usually, and so one verse gives us so much. If we just take time to read it, and I'm sure there's more here than what I'm going to bring out today, but what a, what a blessed uh, story we have in verse 41, uh, th- this, um, this test of communication, the test of communication. And I call it that because, you see, it says here, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him. What does that mean? means he was talking to him he was begging him to help him in the problem which he had so what a wonderful thing this test of communication which is your test and my test when the problem comes you may know you should go to the Lord but do you have a relationship to him so that you can communicate with him like he is teaching us in this verse 41 the test of communication When you have a relationship with the Lord, it is really easy to communicate. He begged him to come to his house. Have you ever asked him to come to your house? You say, well, that's a silly question because he's not walking around in Ferndale. Well, I know that. But have you just invited him into your life and into your business affairs, your recreational affairs, your home, your life? Is he part of that? I trust he is. How's your prayer life? See, this is talking about prayer, talking to Jesus. And Jairus had no trouble. Boy, he begged him. How many of us have had a problem so severe that we begged the help of the Lord? Oh, that Amazon, you probably want to know the end of that story, don't you? Well, when I was pastor here, we used to get to the door to greet people, and they said, well, pastor, you started a story, but you never finished it. And I almost didn't finish this one. Um, yeah, what can you do when your son drinks a whole bunch of ga- gasoline that's not pure gasoline but been mixed with you know lead stuff for you know how long it was a mess. Well, we prayed, of course, and you have to act. I remember Fran schlenner who's now with the lord she she reached into her doctor Spock's book she read through it and she tore out the page about don't give him anything to dilute the stuff don't 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 make him uh, don't make him vomit or anything like that don't anyway. Uh, All we had to do is we just had to beg the Lord to somehow take care of him and he did. It was a miracle, of course, because he was supposed to die. He was already blue in my arms. Oh, they had a son named Pito. That's a nickname. And Pito, Raleigh liked Pito real well. He wasn't, he was just a little bit older than he was. And so Pito... We were told that in the, this instructions that we read quickly, not us, but the missionary said, if you could just get something down him to dilute this stuff, it'd be great. So, Pito, we fixed some chocolate milk real strong. Most kids like chocolate milk. And, uh, of course, you don't have, not milk you buy at the store. We had to, we got it from Denmark and it was powder. We had to mix it with water and then put the chocolate in it. That's how we made the chocolate milk. But we made it real strong and Pito got Raleigh to drink the chocolate milk. It was wonderful. And as we begged Jesus to please do something for so our son, Raleigh, he began to recover. And you see him today. You saw him yesterday at the service. He's a pretty strapping young man. <clears throat> Prayer, so important. When we were on the mission field, my mother wrote. How many of you knew my mother? How many of you? Yeah, Anetta. She, she wrote and says, Son. I get little done but praying nowadays. I get little done but praying. Isn't that amazing? Would you like to have that title? Mom was a prayer warrior. She she got little done but praying. That's about what she did in her elder years. Thank God for a praying mother. Have you left your burden with Jesus? Does he tenderly support you? Let me read this poem. This is great. Have you taken it to Jesus? Have you left your burden there? Does he tenderly support you? Have you have have you rolled on him your care? Oh, the sweet unfailing refuge of the everlasting arms in their loving clasp and folded, nothing worries or alarms. Have you taken it to Jesus? Just the one just the thing that's pressing now? Are you trusting him completely with the when and where and how? Oh, the joy of full surrender of our life, our plans, our all, proving far above our asking that God answers when we call. Have you taken it to Jesus? Tis the only place to go if you want the burden lifted and a solace for your woe. Oh, the blessedness to nestle like a child upon his breast, finding ever, as he promised, perfect comfort, peace, and rest. Was written by Mrs. Hennessy. Now, there's another test. After we leave this one of communication, there's the test of patience. This is a good one. Look at verse 43. Now, a woman, see this is in the middle of the story of Jesus going to heal this little girl and bring her to, back to life. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his Garment, And immediately her flow of blood stopped and see this kind of stopped the whole process of Jesus going to the to the um, to the man's house, to the Jairus's home to heal his daughter. And so it's a real, real problem. And I call it the test of patience because I'll tell you uh, an interruption. And this was an interruption. They were walking and pretty soon this lady touched the garment of Jesus, and he sensed this virtue go out from him, and that started this whole story that we read here in these verses. And so his trip to Jairus's house was interrupted. And I'll tell you, folks, this is a real test of patience. You see, crowds around Jesus as he went to Jairus' house. Someone touches, and he, and he makes this delay. And uh, don't you think Jairus might have been frustrated at this moment? I think I would have been. He could have said, Oh, why did this happen? We were on the way to my house, and now this other incident came up. And, of course, very important because this lady was very ill as well. But you see, um, Jairus could have been really uptight about this delay. And you might be upset about delays that come in your life. They happen all the time. I mean, they really do. Unexpected things in life are a test, always. That's why I think Hebrews ten thirty six says, you have need of patience. Now, you don't, but I do. <clears throat> God's timing is different than ours. Isn't, isn't it that true? The great English preacher Phillips Brooks was noted for his poise and quiet manner. At times, however, even he suffered moments of frustration and irritability. One day, a friend saw him feverishly pacing the floor like a caged lion and said to him, What's the trouble, Mr. Brooks? And he answered, The trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. This is what happens. Haven't we felt that way sometime? Romans eight twenty-eight. For we all, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Sometimes God permits us to be, to be perplexed, so that we will learn patience. I read of a man who stall, his car stalled in a busy intersection, and the cars all around, like a huge chorus, were blasting their horns. Boy, he had a great answer. He got out of his car, he couldn't start it anyway, went back to the, to the host of people blowing their horns and said, you know, I have a, a problem. I can't seem to get my car started. If, if you would just go up there and try to get my car started, I'll sit here in your car and I'll honk the horn. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? How poor are they that have not patience? Boy, this was said a long time ago. Shakespeare said, "What would what wound did ever heal, but by degrees?" And you see, our patience—boy, it can run out, can it, folks? But he had a he had a test of patience here. Um, and you know what, the next, the next one on your list is the test of emotions. Because not only was it one of, a, of patience, but boy, a test of emotions. Can you imagine, look at verse 49. We're not going to read all these intervening verses, but look at verse 49. It says here, While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead, do not trouble, trouble the teacher. Oh man, now we've increased the situation Because not only does he need patience, because Jesus is not going to his home right now, but been delayed by this other lady who needed his help, which incidentally he should have agreed to and help her and then come help me. But it must have been emotionally a great strain. Because in verse 49, here is what happens. A test of emotions. There are two things. He receives word that his daughter is already dead. And I'll tell you, folks, that's emotional. Would you have been upset? Of course you would have. So would I. So that's emotion number one. The test of emotion. His daughter was already there. If Jesus had just gone straight to his house, it would have worked out all right. That's another emotion that was welling up in his heart. And then look at this one. Now someone tells him to not bother Jesus. How's that? He he probably felt like hauling off and slugging him. Maybe it's time to practice 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you i have to tell you one more story about these emotions i don't know why our son gets in the mix of it so much but our son had quite a few health situations in brazil you know kids are this way i came back from a funeral one day and and it was rainy it was so rainy that we couldn't even put the body into the into the hole at the cemetery. Men had to get down with buckets and gourds and and bail the water out and put the thing in and then slop in the mud on top of it. That's how we buried the body that day. And when I got on the way home, the horribly muddy trail, a little kid came up to me and said, Mr. Ralph, Mr. Ralph, come home quick. He said, your son is sick. Oh boy. I dashed home and I got inside our house and it was filled with Brazilians on their knees in prayer because our son was in another violent convulsion no one knew what to do no one knew what to do so we were so grateful for all that prayer and I told our our little yard man I says Aldenay, go down to the boathouse which is on a little tributary river right in Peru just down the trail from us in, in Brazil where we live get it ready Let's go to the hospital. So here I held Raleigh trying to get him over this slippery, just like, just like grease to get down a couple of blocks to the boathouse and get him in there and then make the two mile trip to the hospital. And it was low water season and go up this huge, huge bank carrying our son, Raleigh. Who, how old was he? A couple of years? Yeah. And anyway, we got up to the hospital and just as we got to the hospital door, would you know what happened? The door shut. Dr. Paul, who was a good friend of mine, he was an alcoholic. You never knew what he was going to do. He closed the door. It's time to close shop tonight. My son in my arms dying with a convulsion. Talk about emotions, folks. They don't come any greater than that. All we could do on the way to the hospital, Margie says, what are we going to do? I says, Margie... I don't know. I just know that somewhere, somewhere in America, of all the churches we've visited and people that are praying for us on the mission field, someone's going to be praying that God will help us. And as the door shut of the hospital, I I thought what I just told Marge when we were making our way to the hospital, you know, it's amazing. Uh, We heard a click and the door opened. And Dr. Miguel, a man who was hospitalized in that hospital. See, it's a frontier hospital at the end of the world in Brazil. He came to the door. I knew him. He was a medical doctor from the, from the Fort Tabatinga, the Air Force Base, about 15 miles away. He was there because he had malaria of the brain. He heard Dr. Paul close the door on us. And Dr. Paul left and went home. And Dr. Miguel got out of his sickbed and came and administered the right medication and saved our son's life. Can you imagine the emotions through which we went? But see, we're all called to do that, dear people. It just happens all the time. But this is the test of emotions. There's another one. It's called the, it's called the test of faith. Look at verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered it, him saying, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. Isn't that amazing? The test of faith. Do you believe Jesus or don't you? Don't be, a, you know, someone says that every time that there's a, that there's a phrase, don't be afraid in the Bible, there's always a, a marvelous promise. And I think that's true. <clears throat> So, with every emotion, there's the promise from God. In, in fact, you can go through and just figure out some of them. Lonely, when, you're, when a person is lonely, uh, Jesus, through the word, would say, in, like in Hebrews 13 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, if you're a worry wart, uh, the Lord will say, Don't worry. And, in fact, what it says in, uh, in, in Philippians 4 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And if you're grief-stricken, like in verse 50, do not be afraid because the Lord is going to answer. Now, Jairus' faith is put to the test. Will he believe Jesus for his daughter's healing or not? It's a promise, and we'll see if Jairus believes and acts upon it. That's the test of faith. And you may be going through something today where God is testing your faith. You have faith to believe that God will take care of your problem. Look at the faith, the next one, verse 51 to 55, the test of responsibility. Now, this is a real easy one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, I I get a kick out of it as I read it, because notice there in the middle of the verse, see verse 52, now all wept and mourned for her. You see, they hired professional mourners. That's the way they did it. They were hired to professionally cry. Isn't that amazing? That was just part of the, the culture. You, had, you hire someone to help you cry. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said... Now, now, here, now Jesus says, do not weep. Isn't that amazing? Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And then look at the next phrase. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. In some translations, here's what it says. In verse 52, they were weeping. And in verse 53, they were laughing see how how quickly it can change they didn't believe what Jesus said about she's just sleeping but I'll tell you you know we know what happened the uh, the spirit returned to her in verse 54 and 55 and she is now alive and Jesus said give her something to eat that's where the test of responsibility you see God always gives us something to do this is a test of responsibility Jesus has raised her from the dead, and now they just can't go their pleasing way. They've got to do something. Take care of your daughter. Take care of that which God has done in your life, whatever that may be. And this is what happened to Jairus. And he's going to take care of his daughter now. Give her something to eat. Wonderful. But there's one more. There's the the test of gratitude. Really something. Verse 56 and her parents were astonished now that word if you if you study it out one of the one of the meanings of the word astonished is they were overcome with happiness so this is the test of gratitude and I'll tell you friends, this is as the kids would say is a biggie because you see thankfulness or gratitude is something missing today uh, if God has done something in your life have you taken the time to thank him for what he did and everything give thanks we are told I have been so concerned about this that I decided and I told Margie you know no one ever, when, you, when you go and you buy stuff hardly anyone ever thanks you anymore in other words the bosses apparently haven't told the, the clerks to thank you when you make a purchase it makes no difference to them so I decided and I adopted a new measure you know what I do? I thank them for the privilege of allowing me to give them money to take home what they're selling. And then I never get then I never get upset. And so we went into a drugstore in Union Grove, Wisconsin to get some medication for our daughter Joy that's at Shepherd's, and I bought their stuff, you know, and I knew they were never going to thank me for the purchase. So I just said, thank you very much. And you know what the reply was? They said, no problem. another gripe of mine. We used to say we used to say uh, you know you're welcome if you thank so you're welcome Oh, now just oh no problem Yeah, that's right don't even don't even thank me because there's no problem oh boy I'll tell you. There was a there was a a shipwreck on one of the one of the bodies of water in the eastern part of the United States and uh, a man a man made 17 trips in ice cold water. Well, he, he ruined his health. It, it, it practically killed him. And he rescued 17 people from the ship. He died later on, years later, and at his funeral, it was stated that of the 17 people whose lives he personally saved and ruined his health by the frigid waters, never Not one ever came back and said, thank you for saving my life. What a sad thing. Folks, I hope you're going to give thanks to the Lord today for whatever he's done in your life. And whatever your problem may be, I trust that the tests of life through which we've gone here with Jairus have been a help to you. Let us bow our heads in prayer, please. Everybody with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If If there's one of these tests, or all of them, or something, Lord, that would help these people, I pray they will do that. And so, folks, I'm going to ask you right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, is there one of these tests or more that you need help in and you just say, Pastor, pray for me as you conclude the service today? No one's looking. Just raise your hand if you need help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you've seen the hands. You know the hearts. Speak to people, Lord. Above all else, may people know that Jesus is our Savior. And may they cast their care upon you because you care for them. Help us to remember the test in Jairus' life. And may may we imitate them in our own spiritual experience as we walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.